0: And this is The Nintendo Show, the best damn Nintendo podcast on the internet. I am solo to do a sort of fragmented official show, so a bit of a peek behind the ground. I'm not exactly solo. Sherlock and Echo are here with me, and you might be able to hear Echo rubbing up against the microphone, as cats do, um, but we're... we're all sort of off schedule when it comes to our show recordings. We're going to have a a retro show coming up within the next few days here, but I did want to talk about some of the official show topics that we normally talk about, mostly Pikmin. Um on this show but i'm going to be recording this in segments i'm going to start off with the new releases and then uh, i'll probably do the uh, news and new game announcements followed by just a quick peek ahead into august as we usually do on the official shows but uh, i'm doing doing things a little bit about out of order here which is the bottom line and the three of us will be back together in just a few days to talk about old things but there are a bunch of games that came out in July of 2023, um, including games like Oxen Free 2, which is a game that actually released free on Netflix when it came out, which is uh, an interesting choice. Um, I don't know. I, th- I thought about uh, grabbing on my phone and dabbling with it a little bit, but there's just too many other games right now that I'm playing through uh, Persona and chained echoes and zelda of course still plugging away at that one and pikmin just came out so i don't really have time to indulge in another thing uh on my phone um but it's an interesting looking game and i spoke about the first one in a couple of different podcasts now so it's one that uh i stuck on the wish list and i'll see with uh, uh there's ever a gap in the release schedule i doubt it Trails into Reverie also came out on the 7th of this month. It's another entry in the Trails series. I'm not sure about the chronology of all those games. I tried playing the demo of one of those a couple years back, but I couldn't get into it. There's a whole lot of narrative, which is something that uh, people like about the series. and Nothing against that. It's just not my style of game. Atelier Marie, Alchemist of Salberg was out on the 13th. Bit more of a throwback Atelier game, uh, if you're familiar with like uh, the, the ones that have released on Switch, the Atelier Rise games. Those are much more uh, modern-looking polygonal games versus this more of a top-down sort of styled um, graphical design to it. Uh, the big one for the month of July, though, was of course Pikmin Four. First, part of Nintendo release came out on the 21st. I am recording this on the night of the 25th. I am just over 10 hours in, and that's something that uh, I wish I'd done was actually play the demo for this game. Now, not because it would have affected my decision to buy it or not. It's the, the demo allowed progress to carry over. Now, basically, allow you to play like the opening of the game, so I could have. Use the demo to get through a lot of the dialogue-heavy stuff that they have in the beginning of this game. and It is much more tutorialized than um, the original Pikmin or even Pikmin Three was. Whereas in those games, like Pik- the original Pikmin, essentially just threw you right in with a few things explained here and there as you go. Uh, in Pikmin Three, you start off a little bit slower. But in Pikmin Four, they're really like starting you off with the basics, and there's like, there's a lot of things actually happening in this game um something that you know would be nice to have in this game is a bit more control over different um captains again in pikmin 3 or in pikmin 2 where you could do more multitasking because you add you were able to swap between different captains to have different groups of pikmin to accomplish different things and you sort of get that with the the dog Ochi. um as you play through more of the game, the dog gets more skills, and you can actually use the dog to uh, command Pikmin and do a little tasks. It's, but it's, it's a little bit clumsier um, to swap between your your created character, your your captain, and the Ochi dog creature. um And, and you know it's, it's kind of a, a, a double edged sword because Pikmin three like the the amount that you could do all at once uh, commanding different captains and swapping very quickly and using the touch screen on your game pad to uh, uh kind of route or the the positions you want to take your uh, pikmin into um using the pointer to spe- more specifically aim um but the the problem with that is there was a whole lot going on and pigment three for for the wii u i never played on switch so i'm not sure how they simplified it but you know when you when you have a wii remote and a nunchuck and a Gamepad and your tv and you're trying to get these things going all at once for people who are really like into multitasking it was really really cool but it was probably a, a very large barrier to, to entry for anyone new to the series or you know who just doesn't have the understandably doesn't have the focus to handle that many things going on at once it takes a level of uh, obsessive compulsion to really get into the the micromanaging and using all these different tools all at once but anyway that that's pikmin 3 Pikmin 4, I want to start with the high level stuff. It's a really nice looking game. They always have a really nice environments and sort of object design and food design. What Pikmin 4 does not do that other Pikmin games have done is it doesn't give you um, the, the expiration date. Whereas, you know, in the original Pikmin, you had the 30 days, you had to finish everything by then or, you know, game over. Pikmin 2 didn't really have much of an expiration date. Um, Pikmin 3 did sort of because you had to collect food in order to you know consume some of it every day, or you know you get the game over. But in Pikmin 4, they just drop all facades of any sort of expiration date or ticking clock. You just like you have your day cycle and you need to have like all your tasks and all your Pikmin under your control by the end of that day, so they don't get abandoned when the the creatures come out at night as uh, it works in all Pikmin games. Um, but you don't have any sort of resource gathering that you need to do in order to uh, maintain your existence on the planet. You don't have like, hey, we need to leave within this amount of days or we lose. It's just, you know, keep keep going until you've done all the things you need to do. And it's kind of nice to not have to uh, worry about that sort of economy, but they throw all of these other different things into the game to keep you thinking about, you know, what it is that you are building toward. So, like the, the like the the most top level thing is that you need to collect treasures throughout the game in order to uh, expand your map and go to different areas. Because what you're doing is you're looking for Olimar and other survivors of a, a crash uh, on the planet. So you're you know you're looking for for other people. And then you know you also have uh your your pellets and your enemy corpses and they'll allow you to grow more pikmin you want to have as many of those at your disposal as possible because you know you try not to let them die but if a few of them die it's nice to have uh, a bunch in reserve on the bench ready to uh come back out and and join the good fight for you uh then there's also like a general sort of construction resource thing so throughout the game uh and in most pikmin games you have things like uh, uh objects you have to push over to create like a little ramp or uh, bridges that you can build but rather than having to find like where the resources is on, is on the map and drag it over to where the bridge is there's basically like resource points or, or something that you can collect through different points of the game and put in your bank and then when you find like an unfinished bridge or a climbing wall that needs to be constructed your pikmin will you'll you'll send your pikmin to go at it and they'll just pull from the resources you have back at your ship bring it back to where they need to build something and construct it and these are also used to do things like uh buy upgrades for your your captain and ochi back at your base, because now there's there's a base before you decide where you're going to go for the day. It puts you into your your home base where you can do things like upgrade Ochi, buy accessories and equipment, um, talk to other people that you've uh, rescued in order to uh, take on side missions like, hey, grow 100 Pikmin, uh, bloom uh, 100 flowers, um, collect this many pieces of treasure, that sort of thing. And they will reward you with more of those. Uh, resource points that you use to build bridges so it it feels like really mobile game ish uh, because there's a bunch of different things you can be doing at one time and rather than so far in the 10 hours i played rather than have like a bunch of different things that you need to be multitasking on uh, in a given zone uh in order to maximize your your efficiency maximize the amount of uh, things that you're doing throughout the day. Um it's it's more like hey, here's a bunch of different things you can do, sort of like uh, all these different economies you can engage in um that will make like marginal differences for you. So go ahead and do the thing you want to do. And I, I don't know, it just it just feels like a little too much like you know, you you need your gems and you also need your gold and you get your login bonus. Um, i'm really liking the game a lot it's really addictive because like the gameplay loop is really snappy um and there's uh, always like hey can i can i do this one last thing before the day ends or like hey, i'm gonna do one more cycle and get that piece of treasure that i spotted before and see if i can do this cave while i'm there uh, but it it lacks the uh, uh necessary like multitasking like how I need to have this group of Pikmin doing this thing and while they're working on it I can take this other group and do this other thing. Like that stuff can be there, but it's not as required as it was in previous games. And this one you can just kind of stay together and wait for things to happen and then just move forward as you go. Um so, so you like but but I like it. Like I was saying, um I'm having a good time with it. Uh, just kind of the, the the basic like day loop that you're going through you go into a zone and as you're moving around like it will do things like hey make recommendations like hey these are the kind of pikmin you want to take with you in the zone which is nice um and you, things will get marked on your map really easily like if you've built uh, a new bridge or even crossed it it'll mark that which is really handy information to have if there's a uh, a cave that you haven't gone into like a little vault that you haven't gone into it'll mark it on your map and say hey you haven't gone in here if you have gone in but you didn't find everything it'll let you know that hey this have not been 100 completed which is really nice because i like the collection aspect of this game uh, every zone and every cave that you'll go into has the completion percentage and it's nice and uh what you can do is if you're missing something you can have your dog creature uh sniff it out and just follow a trail it was nice because in the, one of the, the zones i was at 99 percent, had no idea where the last thing was and i could just let the dog know hey go find it and i'll follow you and be able to wrap this up um the cave challenges are a bit like shrines in zelda in which like they're you're you're not passing time as quickly um, way within the caves. In fact, I think like no matter how long you spend in the cave, it'll only be like twenty uh, percent, uh, like somewhere between fifteen and twenty percent of the the day that you'll tick through in the time that you're in this cave. Um, but uh, the it's it's a more closed zone. You have uh, corridors and rooms that you're going through and like little puzzles that you're solving that will require like specific Pikmin or different enemies that you need to take down. Sometimes a boss fight. And you're finding things like treasure and survivors in there that you're you're taking out in, into the overworld. And you're proceeding through different floors. And before you finish a floor, you can check your completion percentage to see if you've found everything before you move on, which is a great way to, to do this sort of thing. But they're, they're more like compact... Uh, little challenge rooms, rather than big open zones like you get when you go to like out in the main game. And along with um, these uh, puzzle challenge uh, caves, there's also like uh, time challenges and time battles, where you're like it goes into split screen for some reason. I don't know why they bother putting it in split screen because you're playing against the CPU. But it's like, hey, here's a little arena that you're in, just collect more treasure than the other guy and then you have to like grow an efficient number of pikmin and go out and just start grabbing as much stuff as you can hauling it back to your base before the opponent gets it and there's also um one of the really cool things is like there's a a sort of rather than a battle gather more resources in this person like hey you're in this arena in this uh, cave challenge and you, there are, you know, a finite amount of treasures and you have a finite amount of time. See if you can just gather up as much as you can and get it back to your base. And those are really nice challenges because that really lets you try to maximize your efficiency of playing through. Um, and it'll, it'll like, uh, it'll grade you on how well you did when time expires based on how much of the stuff you're able to collect. If you collect everything at the highest possible like platinum grade and you move on. And those are really fun. I'm looking forward to seeing how many of those are available throughout the game cuz that's the sort of thing i like is like hey you have this you have these 5 minutes and here's all the stuff figure out the procedure that you need to go through in order to get all the stuff cuz it's all doable other uh, the actual battles i don't like quite as much uh, even though none of them have been particularly hard the the uh, computer player uh, opponent hasn't really pushed back on what i've been doing in those challenges so far so but but i just don't like um the, the sort of like a competitive nature right? that's not what uh, uh i'm interested in uh, engaging with in a pikmin game Right? i want to do like the the collecting and the the efficiency type stuff rather than the competition type stuff um oh and there's also uh, a nighttime challenge um part of the game there are some survivors that will need for one reason or another uh medication and you get like the medication from doing these nighttime missions um and at night you're not playing with your regular pikmin group you're playing with glow pikmin they're these neon green sort of ghosty pikmin and they don't uh die but when they're attacked by enemies um they end up just like Uh, being sent back to your base and then like after a cooldown or something they can come back out and fight with you so but these um these nighttime missions are faster than your your regular day cycle and rather than having to you know gather up uh treasure and survivors and stuff basically will happen is you start with a a small amount of these glow pikmin and you go and collect these uh These piles of gems scattered around in order to grow more glow pikmin, and then after a few seconds, enemies will start like marching toward your base, and becomes like this tower defense type of thing, where what you want to do is take out as many enemies as possible without having your base uh, sustain damage, because if your base sustains too much damage, then you don't get the medicine that you were trying to gather uh, at the start of it. Um, I mean, that that's that's a neat little. Uh, mode to the game. It's one that, you know, I'll play a round or two here or there. um, And it's it's a nice little break from the just general exploring and cave diving. I got to say, I've I've spent probably uh, of the 10 and a half hours that I've played so far, I would have to guess that like a good four of those hours have been like down in caves. That's where I'm spending, you know, a a plurality of the amount of time that I've uh, played in the game. And it's really, like, where a lot of the stuff is. So I was playing through this one zone, like a beachy zone, and I'd play, like, a couple days, and I gathered, like, a little bit of treasure and, like, built some bridges and and gathered, like, resources and stuff. And after a couple days, I was, like, 2 or 3% completion. And then in one cycle, I went through and I did a couple of caves, and it took me up from like, like, uh, took me up to like 17%. And then on another day I did like a couple more caves, took me up to 42%. So a lot of this stuff is hidden down in these, uh, in these cave challenges. But yeah, I I'm liking it. It's, it's uh, a good game. Um, I am actually going to be, uh, I I'm trying to get a, a couple hours in, a day for the next few days and then uh, after the weekend it'll probably be becoming a game where you know it'll be like uh, my lunch break game where i'm at work and i'll play like a few day cycles and kind of slowly chip away at it and then like the big game that i'll go back to will be uh, zelda pikmin it's um it, it feels like it'll be a good really good side game to just kind of chip away at you know an hour hour and a half a day, doing a few day cycles, and letting, like, the... kind of, like, do like a wind-down kind of thing, letting, like, the, the big game that takes the majority of my time go back to, uh, Zelda. So, in addition to Pikmin... There was a game called This Way Lies Madness and that was out on the 27th, I believe. Was so That's an interesting looking one. I'm going to stick that one on my wish list. Double Dragon Gaiden is also out on the 27th. That is one. It's on the wish list. I'm going to wait for a sale on that one to see if... Uh, I'm not sure how many players that one is, but that would be a good one to get like a co-op going. Um, there's a, a port of a GBA game, weirdly enough, Yggdra Union will never fight alone. It came out on the GBA, like I think it was close to the end of the GBA's life cycle. It might have even been a dual release on the DS, but I don't remember exactly. But that's like uh, an interesting-looking, like I think it's a strategy RPG, um, interesting piece of history and a weird one that for for that one to to make a comeback. Disney Illusion Island, the platformer, is out on the 28th, and Venba the uh, cooking na- narrative focused cooking game is out on the thirty first. I was featured on a Nintendo Direct. I think back in uh, I think that in the June one or maybe it was back in September of last year. But one way or another, those are the games. And a bit more of a bit busier of a schedule than uh, I thought we were going to have in July. I thought it would be like more of a slower month, but quite a few neat little releases there. And once again. Another busy month. There really has not been much of a let up in terms of new releases since January or going back into last year, really. It's a a really, really, really busy console and impossible to keep up with everything that releases for it. But I'm going to take a break and then in the back half of the podcast here, I'll talk about some of the new game announcements and then peek ahead into August. So, big news while I was taking a break here for a day. Just a couple hours ago at time of recording here, Nintendo announced that... The Oracle games, Seasons and Ages, were coming to the Nintendo Online Expansion Pack uh, on the 27th tomorrow at time of recording, which is really cool. This is a really cool announcement for a couple of really great uh, handheld games. I played them originally back on Game Boy Color shortly after they came out, uh, but. You know, As of just a few months back, the only way to obtain them was on the original Game Boy Color carts because the uh, 3DS eShop and Virtual Console had shut down. So unless you already had them digitally, you could not get them again. But really cool that they're bringing these to the expansion pass that people have access to them again and hopefully, you know, Going forward in future consoles just have access to them in perpetuity want we'll to wait for another re-release they will just be available on whatever, you know, online uh, Expansion pass or, or access pass that they have in uh, future systems But that's a good discussion for a different time. Hopefully it's the way of them future-proofing their uh, Digital retro library, but I really really love ages one of my favorite uh, handheld Zelda games for sure uh, though the way that um, you you essentially, they they found um, really great ways to have these expansive adventures on such limited hardware on the Game Boy Color. So in terms of like geography, like actual uh, uh, squares of of space, like the pull screens and old school 2D Zelda games, it's not that much bigger than Link's Awakening, but an Oracle of Ages, you have two different time periods. So you basically have the same map twice, kind of like, you know, kind of like a light world, dark world thing and a link to the past. But you're, you're flipping back and forth between the pe- present day and the past and things you do in the past affect the way that uh, the map works and the present you know this sort of thing you expect from these time travel games but they make it really fun as a really cleverly designed world map because you don't always have access to jumping back and forth between the two areas that well as you play through the game more you have more and more freedom to go back and forth but they re- find really clever ways to limit you and then um, it all feels very seamless when it f- uh, opens up to uh, have more access points to flip back and forth Really, really cool game. Um, Really like it a lot. Seasons I also really like. We talked about these games not too long back on the Retro Show. uh, Developed by... A development studio that was associated with Capcom at the time flagship um, and they'd since been absorbed And a couple of the key players now work over at Nintendo including mr. Fujibayashi who directs the Zelda games now but neither here nor there when they started development for these two games the sort of urban legend goes there's supposed to be like three different versions but they eventually like wrapped them up into two and then simultaneously there's also a project to remake the original Legend of Zelda game but that was scrapped and a lot of the the assets the work that went into remaking that got absorbed into Oracle of Seasons which is why the first dungeon in Oracle of Seasons is a pretty close approximation of the first dungeon and the NES Legend of Zelda game but Oracle of Seasons I, I don't I don't think it's um it's nearly as fun in that game to flip uh, back and forth between like the different sort of of screen environment adaptations that you have. So like the name implies, you're uh, changing the seasons and there are certain access points throughout the map where you use your wand and uh, stand on the stump and wave your wand and it changes the season to whatever you have access to and you gain access to different seasons as the the game proceeds. But it's not like it is uh, persistent. So I, I guess in a certain sense it is persistent. There are Default seasons that are assigned to different screens in the game. So you know when you enter the swamp It's always going to be fall unless you manually change it And if you change it and you leave it will default back to being fall again Uh, And it's like that all over the world map. So um, It's a little bit more fiddly in the way that you have to um change the seasons in order to access the places that you want to access. It feels a little bit more Metroid-y in that, you know, of course, you don't have all the seasons at first and getting more seasons will allow you to access more areas on the map. That's how they sort of gate you off. uh, More with, like, the seasons sort of thing and less of the item that you need. Uh, and like the difference is like in summer there are vines that will grow along walls and spring will be like flowers that will launch you up in fall there will be mushrooms that sort of uh, you stretch and catapult over chasms in the winter things will freeze over and you can cross like gaps or or uh, water features that you weren't able to get across but in, in addition to having all like these different uh, the, the four different season screens for every area on the map there's also a whole like underworld Sabrosia. Um, and a storyline going on there and that's how you you gain access to the Temple of Seasons and get more um, seasons attached to your, your wand so you can change them at well but it's also a really neat little game um, surprisingly large a bit larger than Ages because of the whole underworld aspect of the game but yeah both both really neat both definitely worth playing and I don't think they explicitly said um, how they're going to have the two games connect because the two games connect and you you can play either one in any order that you want I usually play ages first because I like it more um, but then How you would do it on the GBA and on the virtual console on uh, back on 3ds is at the end They would give you a password and you had to input your password It's just a very clumsy system but maybe like being able to take screenshots on switch Will make it a little bit easier to transfer the password from you know, one game to the other or, you know, maybe they'll make it seamless and just kind of detect your clear data. Um, but who knows? Who knows what they're going to do? Sometimes they put a lot of nice effort into these uh, Switch Online games. And sometimes it's kind of like, now here's here's the game as it originally existed. So, we'll see. We'll find out tomorrow when it becomes accessible on the expansion pack. Or actually, wait... Now I've been I keep on saying expansion back, but I think the Game Boy might be just part of the default one, which is which is awesome. That means uh, you don't have to be paying the extra to to have access to it. But anyway, I, I should get my facts straight before I start rambling again. So, in addition to that announcement, there was a, a really cool like little limited run games presentation. Uh, a few days ago where they're talking about bringing a lot of different uh, physical copies of games uh, including the Castlevania Advance Collection is getting a physical edition for Switch. Uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 Complete Edition is getting a physical release on Switch uh, which is kind of fun. Uh, Chicory a Colorful Tale, that's a game that came out I think, back in December. Uh, Shantae um, Advance Risky Revolution was announced for Nintendo systems, but not for Switch. That game was coming out on Game Boy Advance, and apparently it was this like scrapped Shantae project for the GBA uh, in between, I guess, uh, the original Shantae game and I think it was Risky's Revenge on DSiWare. Anyway, neither here nor there. Risky Re- Revolution. Uh, coming to Game Boy Advance only and getting a physical release seems very very silly that they are doing this especially since they're not Like releasing digitally on any other platforms. So that's got to be something that happens eventually Maybe they just want to like get the collector market uh, Before they have a wide release on other platforms Which is to me also a little bit silly because the collector market would be there for a Game Boy Advance cartridge one way or another It wouldn't matter which I don't know very strange um uh, another crusade a gargoyles remaster the gargoyles game is getting a remaster and a physical release uh Jur- the Jurassic park classic games collection is getting a physical release a gex trilogy uh, as well so a lot of like uh, oddball games but kind of fun that these things are getting you know some some attention with physical releases but other than that nothing super super noteworthy so, let's wrap up this little miniature episode with a look ahead of what is coming out in August. No real, like, actual news to talk about other than a couple of uh, uh, game announcers. Oh, we did get a, a release date update for that um Style savvy game. I don't think it's actually called Style Savvy. It was featured in, in a Nintendo Direct. It was coming out in November. It's going to be totally annihilated and buried underneath Mario RPG and Persona. Kind of feel bad for it, but there it is. That's the month they chose. Probably should have waited for December for that one, fellas. Um, so. In August, we got WrestleQuest coming out on August 8th. Neat little wrestling RPG moving out to. I think I've mentioned before, me and my wife played the demo for moving out, had fun with it, but never got around to actually buying the full game. Um, really neat uh, concept, kind of like um, a lot of games so the sort of the overcooked concept where it's controlled chaos and you're at a timer and need to load as much of the stuff that's in house into your. Uh, van as possible or the back of your truck Um, and You you can like just throw things out windows You can try to be real orderly about it, but it almost always devolves into chaos Which is the fun thing about the game Vampire survivors is out on the 17th That's one that was also featured in Nintendo Direct and that seems to be a pretty well-known quantity in gaming circles Uh, another one looks really cool but I don't think I'll have time for it. The one I think I'm going to be most bummed about about uh, missing out on release date is Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. We got a release date for that one on August the 18th. It's a really fun stylish looking game. I really dig uh, the art and like the, the bombastic like really bright uh, colors um, but I'm going to have to stick that one on a wish list until the schedule clears a little bit and actually Aside from Blasphemous Two, which comes out on the 24th, I'll probably be putting all of these on the wish list because they're all really nice-looking games. And like Moving Out Two, I, I probably would only pick up if it's like on a sale. But it's definitely one that I don't want to like let get buried underneath like the the deluge, the avalanche of eShop games that come out every week. Um, but uh, Blasphemous 2, like I mentioned, that's more of a Wes and Ryan style game. That one's not really my speed. Sea of Stars is out on the 29th, and that's the only game I'm really, I'm planning on getting day one on this list. By then, I should have wrapped up uh, Chained Echoes, so I'll be ready to queue up another indie RPG. Looks really cool uh, from Sabotage Games. And I mention this every time that the game gets mentioned in any sort of video direct. They made The Messenger several years back, which is a game that I really liked really looking forward to that one nice looking game it looks like it has a nice battle system there is a demo uh, i do want to I'll, I'll probably check out the demo before the game comes out because i think progress carries over so i'll get a little bit of an early access to that one but yeah uh, not really any big retail releases certainly in august but definitely uh, a good lineup of smaller and indie games to keep it busy. If you've already finished, you know Zelda and Pikmin and all the other things that have been coming out. Um, a couple of the, the things I'll probably also get to. Uh, in August I'm gonna finally download the Fire Emblem Engage DLC and play through that. It's not super long but I'm looking forward to getting back into that game for a little bit and either in uh, August or maybe September I'm going to finally get to the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 extra content as well And now that that is has all been released I'll pay for it and engage and get back into that. Um, absolute monster of a game. Really love both of those games big thumbs up to every single game that's been coming out recently it's been a really really great year and a really great run of the switch system so far i'm rambling uh just next up in just a couple of days we will all be back with the retro show and i think the big topic for video games because there wasn't a whole lot of video games being released in july of uh, the summer of 2020 where are we 2002 um july of 2002 So I think I'm going to take a peek back at what was shown at E3 in 2002 to see what they were sort of hyping up for the back half of the year. And then we'll have like a couple of movies to trash and probably not a whole lot of movies to get through. So probably a shorter retro show than we're used to. But that's it. That's the end.